0: Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another jam-packed edition of the TSN MMA Show interview edition. We've got a lot of interviews to get to, including the main eventer for this weekend's UFC Fight Night card, Darren Till taking on Derek Brunson. Uh, Darren was kind enough to join us. Always enjoy speaking with the Scouser, the Gorilla, Darren Till. Lots of other guests as well. If we're going to stick with Liverpool, let's do that with Paddy Pimblett, Making his UFC debut against Luigi Vendramini. Nice to speak with Paddy. Excited for his debut. Looked great in Cage Warriors and is now coming to make a statement and stamp. Put his stamp on uh, the mixed martial arts world in the UFC. Pleasure speaking with him. We'll follow that up with the co-main eventer. Tom Aspinall, who trains with Darren Till. He's fighting a, a short-notice opponent, Sergei Spivak, who's supposed to face Sergey Pavlovich. But uh, swap one Sergei for another, and uh, now you've got Aspinall in the co event as a pretty sizable favorite against Sergei Spivak. And then we shift gears and go from the United Kingdom to the great white North, Canada, where I am currently sitting in this great country. Charles Jordan joins us. He talks about his uh, bout with another guy with a short-notice opponent, Julian Arosa. A lot of visa issues have caused some short-notice opponents to uh, pop up on this card. And uh, Jordan will be facing Arosa at a 155, uh, sorry, 150-pound 150 catchweight. Uh, Marc-Andre Berrio has moved his life to the great state of Florida and will be taking on Dolce Lunjembula on the card as well. So nice to have two double champs from the TKO promotion competing on the same night at uh, UFC Fight Night, Till vs. Brunson. And while we're on the subject of Canadians, we've got two upcoming Contender Series competitors, both from the Niagara region. In fact, they were housemates for a time. Aaron Jeffrey and Jasmine Jassidavisius, who are both going to be competing on the show in the month of September. We've got a great September ahead of us for Canadian Mixed Martial Arts, and they are part of that. And we're looking forward to seeing how they do. So without further ado, let's get to our guests, Darren Till. Patty Pimblett, Tom Aspinall, Charles Jordan, Marc Andre Barrio, Aaron Jeffrey, and Jasmine Jasidavicius. It starts now with the gorilla, Darren Till. Pleased to be joined now by the gorilla himself. He's in the main event against Derek Brunson. It's Darren Till. And a couple of days ago, I saw an interview with you. You said you had the flu. Are you over that? Is everything good to go?
1: Did I really say that? I can't even remember. I think I am. I must be. Me, me, COVID test is negative. So I feel okay. I feel strong. I feel healthy. Well,
0: that's good. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. I mean, obviously, there's the stresses of of the fight. Do you get anxious about having to do all the stuff before the fight in anticipation of the fight itself? Like, do you wish you could just get off a plane and and head right into the octagon?
1: Yeah, I, I wish I could just fight, but. I I realise why all this stuff is important. It's, in, it's important for the brand of yourself. It's important for the company. It's all. It's also important to market yourself, right? Fight week. You know what I mean. So all this stuff is just as important. So I'm not going to say as the fight, but it, it does mean a great a great deal. But I think most of us would agree. We just love to get off the plane and fight, and get back on the plane and go home. But it, it this is the fight game. This is the entertainment industry. So uh, there's more entertainment lately than there is fighting. So we've got to do it.
0: And you've taken it to a new level. You've got blockaccess.co. I saw that you're basically doing behind the scenes for anybody who gets a free ticket to this, and then you're gonna have NFTs after the fact. So that's that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's called Block Asset. We do have a company called Block as- Access as well, but Block Asset is basically it's basically sorry, uh, we're, we're dealing with NFTs, non fungible tokens. Uh, so. We're verified on the blockchain, you know, we've, we've got all them stuff you talk, you, you spoke of them perks of like tickets to the fight, perks of training with Darren Till, going on a night out with Darren Till, which isn't too, too wise in my opinion. But eh, uh, yeah, we're doing some interesting stuff. We've got loads of athletes on our roster right now and we're signing more by the days in MMA boxing and in music. We, you know, we're moving into all, all areas. So it's, it's good just to have that other little bit of a, uh, how do I say, uh, a little bit of attention on something else, you know, a little business that I'm, I'm really invested in. So
0: are you a part owner of this company? I'm a partner, yeah, you know,
1: I got, me and the guys started the company up from scratch, you know, all the guys are based from Liverpool, with a Liverpool-based company, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I have a piece in the company and it's uh, exciting things with it, mate, honestly, like, how fast we've moved in the in, the, in this small, short sure few months is, is astronomical, so it's going to be a, can't wait to get back after the fight and work on it a bit
0: how did you get into this space uh, i use nba top shot uh, which is i guess the basketball equivalent of what you're doing and i know that panini's gotten into the ufc space uh, how did you uh, figure all of this out and what sort of uh, other NFTs have you gotten into
1: yeah it was a mutual friend of a mutual friend and they come to me they wanted to do nfts and at the time i had about two other offers on the table but they just come to me and what they presented me just I spoke to another friend who's sort of an advisor to me, and he was like, Till, these are doing amazing work. And I said, okay, listen, you know, but this is when, like, they haven't even started anything. They just presented me with what their ideas was to do. And they were like, listen, we want you to come on board, uh, work with us with the NFTs, but we also want want you to in the company. So, you know, we had a long conversation, a few meetings, and uh, they're all good guys. I've known them for a while, not just 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 the past few months. And, uh, now we're all working together, we're all partners and, and we've got, you know, we've got boxes. you know, we've got, we've, I think we're, we're, we're on the board to signing Usyk, uh, Oscar Valdez who's just been in the news recently, uh, Michael Vernon page Michael Bisping, Leon Edwards, uh, I don't want to miss any more, but yeah, Cellini who's just won the Euros with Italy, so that's that's our roster up to now, it's, it's a good roster.
0: Yeah, it's great to see, uh, it's, uh, I think it's a, a space that's growing rapidly uh, faster than any of us can really keep up with. So it's good to see that you're involved. 100%. Um,
1: I can't keep up but I don't even know what it is. I just on, I just do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got, you've got the right people telling you the right things. That's what matters. Uh, oh, of course.
1: Yeah, I've got good advisors.
0: Uh, the main event, uh, yourself, Derek Brunson, this is a fight that you kind of did the matchmaker's jobs for them. You went to Derek and said, let's fight, let's do this. He, he said, I want to fight at this time. You said, you know, a little bit after that, you're not going to get a name as big as me. He agreed, and here we are.
1: Yeah, that's exactly how it went. Like, I'm not one of these guys for like pushing and shoving and uh, tagging guys, tagging Dana and Sean Shelby on Twitter. Listen, Sean Shelby and Dana White well, don't give a fuck about what you say on Twitter. You want to get the fight made, you message your manager or you message Dana if you know if you're in a position like me, or you message the fighter and that's what I did. And I said, Speak to your guys, speak to your manager, let's see if we can get it made. It was done in a week. That's how you do it, mate. That's we don't need the matchmakers no more. <laughs> That's uh, how you do it. Don't tell them that. They'll, they'll start putting you up against no.
0: and make you move up to heavyweight, do all kinds of stuff. Yeah.
1: No, I love the matchmakers. Just
0: remember <laughs> So uh, Derek Brunson's an interesting matchup for you. He, he poses a lot of different puzzles for you to solve. What, what do you think of him? And how do, you think he, uh, how do you think he compares to your previous opponents? I would say that of your previous opponents, Gastelum might be the most comparable. I know their body types are very different, but their skill sets are kind of similar.
1: Yeah, I think, listen, I think he's a solid guy. He's coming off good wins. He's beat top contenders. Now he's just beat Kevin Holland there. Uh, I am not quite like a Kevin Holland. I'm much more ferocious and much more faster and quick on my feet. But uh, yeah, I would compare him to Gaslam, He, he mixes up his, his boxing well with his takedowns. He's a chain wrestler and he looks like a strong dude. So we're going to see if he gets me against the fence and what, what he can do from there. Uh, I'm looking in there to just go and hurt him. I'm looking to get in there and just hurt him. Ferociousness and pure violence.
0: Well, it seems the fight everybody wants to see is yourself versus Israel. Um, you just yeah. need to do your part, get this win, and how how close do you think you are to that title shot?
1: I think if I win this, I'm close. But I would like to like let them have it out him and Whitaker. Uh, I think they're going to fight three times because I've got Whitaker in this match when they fight now. But uh, I'd like to get Cannon here and just see what Cannonier is up to after this fight. But we'll we'll see. Listen, big test on Saturday. Got to get past this guy. Let's do it. Why
0: do you why do you like Whitaker in the next fight?
1: I just think Whittaker's improving the most. I think he wants it the most. Uh, is he Maybe is he's put his, took his eye off the ball a little bit. Don't know. We'll see. But uh, Whittaker's very good, man. Very good.
0: So if there was yeah. to be a title eliminator uh, between yourself and somebody, do you think Kananir is that somebody?
1: Can, can be. Or can be Costa or can be Vittori. I don't give a fuck. Let's fight them all.
0: <laughs> it's not for you to decide, I guess, anyways, but uh, a good win for Kananir no. uh, against Gastelum recently. I think that he certainly is starting to stand out.
1: Yeah, he is. He, he was a close. It was actually a close I actually. Uh, I thought it was very, very close. Kananir uh, might have just edged it all, Gastelum. But yeah, impressive. He said he wants to fight again because he's low on money, whatever. So, yeah, don't be fighting for that, though, Canonier. You know, make sure you keep your values on. You fight for fighting, not for money. But uh, it'd be good to get in there with him as well. All of them, as I said.
0: A lot of uh, folks from Liverpool on this card with you. you got Molly McCann, uh, Paddy Pimblett is debuting. I mentioned to Aspinall uh, that he was from Liverpool earlier, and he corrected me that he's from outside Manchester, but trains in Liverpool. But it is nice to see a lot of fighters from your region uh, getting such a nice spotlight on them. On a, on a card that doesn't have all that many fights, to, to have so many fighters from that region involved, I think, is a, a big statement.
1: Oh, yeah, it's a statement to how good they're growing. You know, you've obviously... Molly's been in the UFC now a few years. She's a... She's doing well. She's, she's got her name out there. Uh, Paddy is like the newcomer. Uh, we're all looking, we're all waiting excited on, uh, on Saturday for his, for his debut. I think he's going to shine. I really do think he's going to shine. I think he's, his confidence level is brilliant. And Tom is obviously not from Liverpool, but he's saying all his life in Liverpool. So, you know, we can class him as a scouser, but, uh, just from that region alone, look, there's today four, you know, you, you know, me. Wow. Mixed martial arts in the northwest of England is doing big things.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and of course we've got Leon still uh, looking to get into that title picture at welterweight. Where do you think he stands right now? You got uh, you got Usman taking on Colby Covington in November. Uh, I, I think Leon should face Gilbert Burns. I don't know what you think of, of Leon in that division.
1: Yeah, I mean, he can he can face Gilbert Burns. I think he should wait it out and see who wins the the, the title shot. Who wins the title and then get a get a shot at them guys. Uh, Leon's had a tough role, man. I, I feel sorry for him. I hope, he, I hope his look started to change now, and he really proves how much of a good fighter he is in the 170 division.
0: How much do you think the last 30 seconds of that fight impacted him? I mean, that's that's the weird thing about it. He was rolling in that fight, and then that last 30 seconds happened. And everybody's dismissing the guy. Yeah,
1: yeah no. Listen, I, I love Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz as much as anyone. They're the two fighters. He's like you know, I, I I love how they are. But he got one shot, and now everyone everyone jumped on the. Jumped off the Leon train, it's like me. He caught, caught him at one shot. It was a beautiful shot, but Leon dominated, dominated the fight. We all know that. He dominated. It was that pure domination.
0: All right, Darren. Well, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. It's a great main event. Yourself, Derek Brunson. Uh, it's an afternoon event, so uh, make sure you're watching in the afternoon. Uh, thank you for doing this, and hope to speak with you again soon. Best of luck.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Please be joined that. now by Paddy the Batty
0: Pimblet who's making his debut in the UFC this Saturday. It's a, my first time speaking with you. It's nice to meet you and uh, I'm just curious. You were offered opportunities to come to the UFC prior to that. You know how good you are now. Had you signed back then, how do you think it would have gone?
2: Um, well, thank you for having me first and foremost but uh, looking back then obviously at the time I thought I could beat anyone. Anytime, place, anywhere as they always say but Looking back now, I was I was a, a small kid. Know what I mean? I was still a child. Uh, even when I, I got offered in two thousand sixteen, when I was fighting a featherweight, and I was still sh- small. Know what I mean? I was still not physically a man. And then the same three years ago, when I got offered in two thousand eighteen for the second time, uh, I'd moved up to lightweight by then, but I still wasn't. I still wasn't fighting a uh, like cutting any weight at all to make the weight. I was just dieting to the weight. And then I noticed it when I fought Son and Bath, and he was so much bigger than me because he cut like seven kilo overnight.
0: When was, uh, when when did you basically realize that you weren't as good as I guess you thought you were back then? Is it just when you kept getting better and better with your skills? Where you realized maybe yeah, I was, I was think, thinking too big?
2: Yeah. But no, it wasn't that I was thinking too big, lad. You can never think too big. If people don't laugh at your dreams, lad, then you're not dreaming big enough. It's that simple. Um, But, like I, I wasn't even doing a standard conditioning regime then. I was just, I was just a fighter then. When I'm an athlete now, uh, I've got a new S and C coach who's basically my nutritionist as well, Paul Reid, who does everything like that with me. Goes over all my stuff, and I'm a different specimen now. I'm, I'm a completely different animal to what I was back then. Back then I was, as I say, a child, and I wasn't professional at all. I'd done it all just by off the like the top of my head. Know what I mean? I decided. I decided what I was doing when I was doing it where I thought I knew best. Now I listen to everyone around me and I do as I'm told and I'm just a 10 times better athlete. As I say, then I was a fighter. Now I'm an athlete as well.
0: So who convinced you to change your ways and how did they convince you to change your ways?
2: Obviously, my team, everyone around me, my the, the, the support system, my family, my fiance, my friends, uh, mainly my team. and. The coaching staff that I have with me, Paul Rimmer, Ellis Hampson, Adam Vencey, Chris Williams, Snowden Amin there, and then, as I say, Paul Reid played played the biggest part. He's just turned me into a different sort of beast. I'm completely different to what I was back then. A lot of people still think I'm a small lightweight, but they're going to get a fright when I walk in the cage on Saturday night.
0: And what do you think of your opponent, Luigi Vendramini? From from watching him, how does he stack up against you? He's
2: not on my level, lad. No matter where the fight goes, um, whether we're standing or on the ground, he's he's got no chance. To be honest, I think I'm a. Uh, I'm gonna finish him wherever the fight goes.
0: So, who do you think is on your level then? If you're looking at the 155 pound division, it's just a division of sharks. There's an unbelievable yeah, amount of talent. so where do you stack up?
2: The top echelon. I'll I'll be ranked in the next few fights 100. percent But as I say, I'm not I'm not a I'm not gonna rush myself like I have in the past when I was a kid, I'm going to do as I'm told, you know what I mean? Whatever names on the contract that gets put in front of me, I'll sign, just like I did with this one. Luigi Vendemini was the fourth opponent what got put to me, and every single opponent <clears throat> before that I said yes. So, I- I'm game to fight anyone, as I say, any time, any place.
0: Do you think there's going to be a bit of a curve in terms of becoming comfortable in the UFC? I mean, if you look at where you were in Cage Warriors, you were the guy. You were the, you were the big draw. You were probably making a similar no. amount of money there.
2: I was making more money in Cage Warriors, lad. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to be the guy after this fight. Simple as. The whole division's going to be calling me out after this fight, lad. Watch. Because they know who the new cash cow is. They know who the new main man's going to be. And it's going to be me.
0: So you've been rattling some cages since you've signed with the UFC. I know the Georgian fans were unhappy with you. How did that whole situation come about, and has anything changed?
2: No, no I think they all still like me, lads. It's just one of them. If, if someone comes at me talking shit, I'm going to talk shit back. And that's what I did, and they don't like it. You know what I mean? They can give it, but they can't take it.
0: And there was the other situation with uh, the report that you were out of this fight. And I, I didn't understand why you were so upset at first. And then I kind of figured it out. The report basically said that you had pulled out of the fight, that you had withdrawn, which wasn't the case. Yeah. You were having some visa issues. So you felt that that was a bad look on your reputation. Rather than reporting that Luigi had been maybe asked to fight a new opponent if something had come up, it was posed as if you had pulled out. Is that where the, the issue was?
2: Yeah, it was? yeah, it was a blatant lie. You know what I mean? There was, there was no issue. Um, there wasn't even really visa issues. I just had to go go to my visa meeting. Like, it had been booked that day. And... I think what had happened is his manager had been said, if, if Paddy doesn't get a visa, we'll just accept the replacements. Like what's happened with Leroy Murphy's opponent, where Julian Rose has stepped in. And he went to this journalist and said, oh, we've officially got a new opponent. Well, did you get a contract? Did you get a contract and sign on a different name? Because I don't think you did. So <clears throat> stop talking shit.
0: You talk about wanting to move up the ladder in this division. With what's going on in the world right now with COVID and, and visas and all that stuff, is that all sorted out if you wanted to take another fight in, say, three, four months?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm 100% wanting to fight again before this year's out. Uh, no two ways about it. I want to get another fight in.
0: And what's the status mm-hmm. of MMA right now in uh, in Europe, in the UK specifically? Are, they, are there events that are still being held? And what, what sort of restrictions are there?
2: They're still getting the fights on Cage Warriors. So I fought on Cage Warriors in March, but all the shows have been behind closed doors up until the next one, what's in four weeks.
0: I posted something on my Instagram today. It was uh, the new Fab Four of, uh, of MMA. It was Abbey Road in, in the background and yourself, uh, Darren Till, uh, Molly McCann and Tom Aspinall. Do you like that? Do you like being part of uh, this, this group of uh, Liverpudlians that are coming up? Uh, the group of scousers yeah, that, are, that are the me. new breed?
2: We're just the first few as well, lads. There's multiple young lads from our gym who are coming through. We're going to be signed by the UFC in the next year or two,
0: certainly. <laughs> Well, it's cool to see mm. all of you on the same event. I think that that uh, certainly speaks volume of how much MMA has grown in your region.
2: Yeah, as it's, uh, it's brilliant that we're all on the same event. Uh, and as I say, we're meant to be even more Brits.
0: So what are the big gyms in Liverpool? Is, I mean, I know you and Molly trained together and Tom and Darren Till uh, trained together. Are those the, the two biggest camps, I guess, in, in your neck of the woods?
2: Yeah, by a mile, they're the two biggest gyms, like...
0: And in terms of the main event, Darren Till versus uh, Derek Brunson, how do you think that one goes?
2: Obviously, I want Darren to win. Know what I, mean? I want Darren to land a big left hand and knock him out. But as we know, Brunson comes out to wrestle and he could try and just wrestle for five rounds and we know he can do that.
0: What is it that makes people from Liverpool so different? I mean, it seems like you guys have a real pride in the region that you're from. I, mean, I think it's probably the same if you're from Manchester or anywhere else uh, in the UK. But people from Liverpool nah, seem to be different.
2: Lad. It's different, it's different <laughs> when you're from Liverpool, lad. Because our, our country forgot about us, lad, years ago and left us to rot. They tried to, <clears> the, the city tried, like the rest of the country forgot about us, lad. Left us to rot, lad, while uh, the Prime Minister tried to manage the clan of our city, so we look after ourselves, lad. I've got a saying, lad, scouts not English. It's that simple.
0: What do people uh, think of the Beatles from Liverpool now? I mean, they obviously came up and became big stars. And uh, like I said, I had the Abbey Road <laughs> imagery. And uh, you come out with to the uh, the Basement Jacks. So uh, I'm curious what you think of the Beatles as being someone from Liverpool.
2: Obviously, people still listen to the Beatles. People still like the Beatles. I've got plenty of Beatles songs on my phone. But uh, I am the fifth Beatle, lad. I'm going to take over America just like they did.
0: I like that. Well, the fifth Beatles, is Pete Best. But you're going to be better than Pete Best, I imagine.
2: Yeah, of course.
0: <laughs> what kind of music are you into these days? What what what, what what's Paddy Pimblett listening to?
2: I listen to all sorts. I've got the maddest playlist you've ever seen on my phone. lad. people are shocked at some of the different type of genres. What I listen to.
0: So give me a couple titles. Give me a couple uh, acts you're into right now.
2: What 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 about nowadays? Yeah, hardly anything. Lad. The charts nowadays. are terrible. <laughs>
0: All right, well, uh, it's a pleasure to meet you, Patty. Best of luck against Luigi Vendromini uh, this weekend. I look forward to seeing your ascension in the UFC. You have massive star potential, and uh, we look forward to seeing you fulfill that. Thanks for your time.
2: Don't you worry, man. I'm, I'm here to take over, lad. I'm the, I'm the next big uh, big money maker. Don't you worry about that. I'm coming.
0: He's in the co-main event against Sergei, not Pavlovich, but Sergey Spivak, a short-notice opponent. He is Tom Aspinall. Short notice opponent, as I mentioned, Tom, is it difficult to prepare for an opponent who has a lot of differences from your original opponent?
3: Yeah, it is. It is, to be honest. The guy is completely different to the guy I was supposed to fight. But I trained to have a cage fight in Las Vegas. So that's what I wanted to do. That's what I trained to do. And that's what I'm going to do on Saturday night. So we just got to roll with it, man. We are just going to roll with it and see what happens.
0: Do you think that this is a, an easier opponent, in your opinion, if you were to compare the two?
3: No, no. I think it's possibly, possibly a less dangerous opponent, but a more skilled, well-rounded opponent, I believe. And it definitely, uh, Spivak's definitely durable, really durable and really uh, good at what he does. So I, I have a lot of respect for Spivak.
0: Now, even if he wasn't quite as good as Pavlovich, to have a different opponent on short notice makes the degree of difficulty a lot higher.
3: Exactly, exactly.
0: What's it like to have so many different fighters from Liverpool on this card? Uh, you know, as I mentioned, it's the Fab Four yourself, Darren, uh, Molly, uh, Molly McCann, and uh, Paddy Pimblett. It's pretty cool to have so many people from one region on the same card.
3: Well, I'm not actually from Liverpool. I just train in Liverpool. I'm from Manchester. So, yeah, there's been a big hype about like four Liverpool guys. I've never once claimed that I'm from Liverpool, but if they want to, if they want to claim me as their own, I'll take it. But uh, I'm actually from Manchester, but it's nice to have all the UK guys on the card for sure. That that is nice.
0: All right. Well, I'm I'm sorry to uh, to lump you in with the Scousers. I, I I'm sure they give you a hard time because you're from Manchester already.
3: They did. They did in the past, but I've been I've been you know training Liverpool so long now that maybe they think I'm one of them or something. I don't know.
0: But you haven't become a fan of Liverpool FC, I imagine.
3: No, I'm not really. I'm not really into football, to be honest. the The area that I'm from is a big Manchester United area, so um, the pe the people where I'm from support Manchester United. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm not really bothered about football.
0: All right. So, what's your sport of choice outside of combat sports, or do you do not follow any other sports?
3: I don't really. I'm not really a sports guy, to be honest. Um, I barely even follow combat sports. I, I watch boxing casually, like I'm a casual, and the same with the UFC. Like I watch the heavyweight division, but apart from that, I'm not really too bothered about it.
0: All right, so let's let's peel back the layers of the onion. That are Tom Aspinall. Then, what are you into? What 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 uh, tickles your fancy when you're not training?
3: Well, I've got three small kids, so that takes up a lot of my time. Is uh, trying to be a good dad, trying to be trying to be over here, be a good dad, be a good. Uh, partner and yeah but as far as hobbies and stuff i've recently got into golf still i've still yet to play a proper game i'm still uh, at the driving range perfecting my skills before i uh, step out there on a proper golf uh, field or whatever and i like drinking is what i like to do i like to go to the pub and drink that's my uh when i'm not training that's my that's my thing to do i guess
0: well i thought you did a, a pete uh, piece with Pete Carroll, where you were rating the American beers. But uh, what are your top five? Are you like a craft beer type guy, or do you do you like just the, the, the bigger name beers from your region?
3: No, to be honest, I don't really... I'm not really... I'm not like fussy with beers. Um, I know a lot of people like craft beers and different kind of ales and stuff, and I don't really like lager too much. I'm more of a cider guy, to be honest. So um, I like cider. I also like spirits. So... I would really, I like um, Recorder League Cider, love that. I also love um, Strongbow Cider, I don't know if you're familiar with that.
0: That's the biggest cider brand in the world, Strongbow, we've got we've got Strongbow. Up. I don't know, I don't
3: know, I, I don't know if uh, what's like international and what's not, I don't know, I don't know if it's just like a UK one or, there's also another one which I'm not, again, this might just be in the UK or not, called Thatcher's, Thatcher's Cider. That is, whoa, that is extremely good, at Thatcher's. That's and uh, really and really I add also... that up here. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I would I would highly recommend it. And uh, also, I just like drinking vodka also, if I'm going to drink. So any of them, any of them is good for me.
0: All right. Well, your, your hobbies are parenting and drinking. So just try not to com- uh, combine those two too much and you'll stay out of trouble.
3: No, I'm from the northwest of I'm from the northwest of England. That's what we do. We parent and drink together. We combine them.
0: Well, as a man with uh, three young children as well, I I, I understand what you're uh, what you're working with. How old is your oldest, and how old is your youngest?
3: I have three sons. My oldest son is five, and then I have two-year-old twins.
0: Okay, so you've really got your hands full. I mean, when you say three young children, I mean I've got. I've got an almost eleven year old and then I've got a two year old and, and one in between. So I mean, I've got some range. You've you've got everybody all together, you know, clumped in as one and they're they're probably uh going after each other all day.
3: Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much it's non stop uh arguing, fighting, biting one another, stealing toys off one another. But you know what? I wouldn't change it for the world. I absolutely love it. That's my, that's the most important job in the world is to try and bring your kids up right. So I absolutely love that stuff.
0: So have you enjoyed your UFC experience? You're a prolific finisher. Your fights seldom get out of the first round. Uh, how's this experience been for you so far? And uh, where do you see yourself in a year?
3: So far, I have been loving my UFC experience. Like I feel like this is where... I'm supposed to be, you know, I had that first debut and you kind of like don't real you don't really know if you belong or not. And after I won that debut I was like, look, this is what I'm going to do in my life. You know what I mean? This is what I'm going to dedicate myself to. And I'm going to dedicate my time to it and I'm going to be a proper athlete contender, champion in this division. So, in a year, I'm just going to be moving up the ranks, man. I just want to get more and more experience and keep fighting these guys and uh hopefully keep finishing these guys
0: well, you've been uh, prolific at that so far. I'm looking at your, uh, your record right now. Three finishes. Uh, the latest one is the latest, uh, I believe, of your career. Uh, a minute and nine seconds into the second round. All of your other finishes in the first round. Um, do, do you hope to get more cage time? You know, a lot of... I've spoken to Francis Ngannou about this. About how he wishes he had more in-cage experience, um, you know, in actual competition. Is that something that you crave as well? Or are you just hoping to get in and get out as, as fast as you can?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's lovely to get in and get out fast, uh, uninjured and all that kind of stuff. But also, I feel like to compete with these guys who've done multiple five-round fights, you need to have that experience as well. So, um, I'll take any, you know. I, that's, why, that's why I keep saying, like, I'm not trying to rush this thing because I'm aware that to compete with these guys who've had multiple five round fights and multiple uh you know long fights you need to have had that yourself and that's something that i'm missing so that's why i'm trying to take it a bit slower than everybody else
0: well you're not taking it too slow this is your fourth fight in almost a year uh just over a year 13 months i guess uh and uh how difficult is it to get to and from the uk to either the u.s or abu dhabi and get fights is is getting a visa fairly simple for you
3: it was because the ufc sorted everything to get the to get the visa so it was actually quite easy just one day trip to london and th- that was it basically but the travel is quite excessive at the moment in uh in covid times like it took 25 hours to get here on a few days ago so not ideal not ideal but we just you know you got to take it for what it is i'm living my dream i'm earning good money for this i'm you know, doing exactly what I want to do in my life and providing for my family, so uh, I can't really complain about where the fight is. I've just got to go with it.
0: I saw Paddy post the same thing. There was like a 25-hour flight for him to get uh, to Vegas. Why is that? Is it just a lot of stopovers? It's hard to get direct flights right now?
3: Yeah, so we we did have two um, direct flights booked, but both flights got cancelled because, I don't know, I guess people aren't booking to fly internationally too much outside of Europe, so uh, yeah, we got here on three flights with, uh, last time we came though, in March or February when I thought Olowski it was, um, five stops, five stops to get here. This time it was just three, so it wasn't actually as bad.
0: Well, both of those scenarios sound horrible, but I'm glad you have made it there <laughs> and you've got that Sergei Spivak in front of you this Saturday in the coming main event. Uh, appreciate your time, thank you for doing this and I look forward to watching you continue your success in the UFC.
3: Thank you very much. Thank you for having
0: me. I'm pleased to be joined now by Charles Jordan, who has a short notice assignment against Julian Arosa, 150 pounds. I imagine that's not a very tough cut for you.
4: No, I have uh, six pounds to cut, and I'm uh, three days away from uh, the weigh-in, so it's pretty easy for me. Like, I could do 145, no problem. But uh, it was important for me to stay lean, like what makes my, my fighting style Uh, The more I fight these experienced guys, I was used to get like to put away these guys early uh, when I was an up up and coming fighter. But now in the UFC, I feel like they're pretty hard to put away. So I need to make sure that I have good explosion and good cardio uh, until uh, round three. So I'm not a big fan of cutting too much weight. I heard he was like 176 two weeks ago, and for me in my brain, it's it's wow, man! Like the the damage you can cause to your body with a hard concussion because of that cut and everything is it's not worth but hey it's just my opinion
0: yeah i guess it's his decision to take the fight on short notice absolutely uh, any hesitations in terms of a, a short notice opponent it seems like you were going to fight on this date no matter what happened and no matter who they threw at you anybody yeah uh, i've been preparing very hard i know i'm i'm not
4: a i'm not into that uh top five uh talk I'm not even top 15 so uh but in my mind, I want to be the best in the world. So it it could have been anybody, and I would have accepted. Darren Elkins, uh, Cron, or like Cobb, or any any small name or big name. I wanted to fight. I haven't fought since March, because I was supposed to fight uh, the Englishman in August. They say, no, we're doing a show in London. No, oh, now it's Vegas, and na-na-na. So there was a lot of... Uh, not misfortune, but things I couldn't, I couldn't uh, change. So I, I adapt to everything. They told me Julian Erosa, but he wants it at 150. I'm like, okay, let's do it. 150, I don't mind.
0: Yeah, I guess you worry about the things that you can control. The things you can't control will drive you crazy if you think too much about them. Erosa uh, as a exactly. matchup, very good, very good matchup for you, in my opinion, in terms of a guy that is going to stand with you and uh, and test you.
5: Uh,
4: I'm not sure about that because I saw an interview of his and he said he wants to do like Philly but uh, he wants to take me down and and, uh, Try to choke me like he wants to work on the ground And I said this is very out of character because from all the fights that I've seen from him He's a very good striker and he likes to stand and bang but maybe having uh, this last fight the concussion uh, Made him realize that hey, like maybe the chin is not getting better with time Actually, it's the opposite way normally. So I think he's going to try to transfer into more of a grappling match, which I'm excited about as well. I just received my, my black belt uh, to, uh, like two months ago, and uh, I'm more than willing to show what I can do uh, in, the, in the
0: grappling exchanges. Do you often watch your opponent's uh, interviews during fight week or leading up to a fight to just see where they're at? I I just... Uh, well,
4: my coach did, and he said uh, he was a very... Uh, well-mannered and, uh, man, uh, he said he spoke very well, and he was uh, he said he was impressed by the quality of the content of the interview. So that was that that was like the motivation to go and uh, watch the interview. And uh, he's a well-spoken guy. Uh, he's a man, 32 years old, and he's been in that that uh, that octagon uh, for for a long time. So he even fought the goat Artem uh, Lobov. So that's something to take into consideration. So uh yeah, he's uh I, I just watched it out of curiosity and uh it affected me when he said he wanted to go to the ground and I was like fuck, maybe he's sorry. <laughs> but I was like, maybe he thinks I'm gonna watch it, but I'm I I need to not focus too much on that. I'm I'm gonna be ready for whatever type of exchange he wants to create and the type of exchange I wanna create as well.
0: So you're facing a taller opponent. Are you used to yes. facing guys that are taller than you? Uh,
4: no. Uh, yes and no. Yeah. My last camp, I was training with one of my training partner, Jan, who's uh, about that six one, six two, and uh, but very very like heavier. And because we were training for uh, Garcia before it was changed to Rojo, so yeah, I'm used to to I'm used to it. I'm. I'm and uh, it's a, it presents a different type of challenge. And he's not a typical tall guy, like he fights super short with with long straight attacks, but uh, he, he keeps his ends very low. He protects his body very well. So when I'm fighting tall guys, I like to aim for the body and the legs. But with him, his chin is always exposed. So that's gonna be something interesting I, I could exploit.
0: Yeah, he does tend to have a lower stance. So he crouches a lot when he fights. Yes, yes, yeah, especially
4: against in the clinch when he's close, he hands down, like all the time he got clipped. Uh, he was always, always and super down, and I, I was surprised by that. Like, uh, normally, tall guys have a tendency to have a high frame, like, uh, let's say, uh, Charles Oliveira, who's a very tall individual. Like, the way he moves, always hem to the chin and long and everything, and Erosa is more like pocket fighting, but as a taller man, so it's fun. It's a very interesting uh, fight. Uh, I cannot wait to, to feel uh, what type of uh, tools he's going to bring.
0: Yeah, he's, a, he's a, a fun fighter to watch as well, so I, like I said, I think this is going to be a, a really fun yes. one. C- Canadian MMA in the month of September is very interesting. Uh, we've got Three guys on Contender Series. Well, two, two guys and one female on Contender Series. We've got yourself, Marc-Andre Berrio on the same card as you. Your brother Louis is fighting in Burlington, Ontario uh, in the middle of the month. Uh, it's just interesting to see so many Canadians in action this month. It's a, a great month for Canadian prospects and to see what they can do.
4: Absolutely. Mostly for the guys who were uh, not in the UFC that didn't have an opportunity to fight during the whole the COVID thing. So it's good for them to to, uh, to rise up and uh, like people who stayed in the gym and kept the work when everybody left are the ones who are getting uh, opportunities. So we need to take our hats off to
0: them. Well, don't take off the Yankees hat. It's a nice hat. I think you should keep it on. It looks good.
4: Thank you very much. But uh, I'm not a big uh, fan of uh, of uh, baseball. Uh, I'm, it's just a nice hat that my girlfriend got to me. And uh, I, I'm, I'm not a... Uh, I'm not a knowledgeable guy when it comes to other sports than uh, MMA. Even MMA, I lose a little bit of interest in watching uh, like uh, fights and everything. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big uh, sports guy.
0: So, what are you spending most of your time doing uh, when you're not uh, training?
4: Uh, watching anime, learning about cryptocurrency, and uh, podcasts, and spending time with my girlfriend and uh, my dog, because uh, I'm... Uh, I feel like I'm a very, not anxious, but very, like the, the career we have is very intense. Like I could lose to Ro, uh, to, Ro, to Rosa and it could be like the end of my career. So it, it it's very intense, the fight game. And I feel like my years in TKO went like this, because every time I had a fight, I would celebrate the night, and then the next day is like, all right, what's next? But you never seem to quite enjoy life because you're always waiting for a victory to feel like a winner and uh, and feel happy. But this is this is poison. If I'm not happy, even if I lost or whatever the outcome at my job, uh, I, I'm losing at life, and that I, I cannot allow myself to do. So, yeah, more and more connected to the the. The present and not torturing myself too much is uh, something I'm I'm working on. I'm not good, but in my free time, I like to, to contemplate and uh, work on myself uh, a lot.
0: Well, I've got a 10-year-old son who's getting into anime, and last week, Gerald Mearshart recommended yeah. Hunter x Hunter for him, and he's really enjoying yes. that. So what's what's next for him? What should I tell him to get on to next?
4: Well, he needs to finish Hunter x Hunter first, <laughs> and uh, the last arc is pretty good. Now he's going to enjoy and it's... Like there's some anime where more for grown-ups, as weird as it sounds, because it's anime. But Hunter X Hunter, and uh, uh, for him, he should start Naruto, because Naruto is like the the biggest, the biggest one, and the the it's an ingre- incredible stories of ups and downs from that kid Naruto, and uh, like family affair. Like it, it's so packed with emotions and things that uh, he's going to live one day, not in that form, but like in in real life uh, situations. So. I think Naruto would be one he, he would be quite interested in.
0: Now, I noticed you came back to Twitter just to to announce like, announce your next opponent. Are you off again? Because, I, like you say, you want to live in the now. You don't want to get distracted by things that are, uh, are yes. negative. And, you know, we, we know Twitter can be something of a negative space.
4: Well, it was not the space that was negative. Yeah, it was, but it was mostly my response from it. Like, uh, every time I saw something, uh, I would get emotional about it and that's stupid like if you're easily emotional you're easily manipulated and i would get frustrated by things i would see about covid lockdowns people who say oh covid uh, is this covid is that and they and we we should put everybody in cage and uh, i'm it was it was frustrating me a lot but i came back i cut all the media, I unfollowed all the media except you because uh, I like the way you present uh, your stuff on Twitter. I don't want like to sound like a, uh, uh, like a how do we say like a fanboy or anything. But I, I just highly enjoy your content because you're someone who who, like you said, you, like you told me, you you did a referee course to understand how they were thinking and how they were scoring. You're, and you're not divisive into your approach in MMA. Like You're not asking questions to create drama. You're asking good questions that, that makes the boards grow more than a question that's going to create unnecessary uh, drama. So, yeah, so I cut all the medias except yourself and a couple of things I like uh, some comedians. And uh, I w- I want to open my phone and make sure that it's quality time, not time that I'm gonna be like fuck, I'm pissed after I watch this.
0: Well, don't listen to my podcast this week. It's very negative about uh, Jake Paul versus Woodley. You you don't want that negativity hey, in your life. I I went on a no, a but... big rant about it.
4: <laughs> it's okay. You you have the right to your opinion uh, and uh, that that's that what makes this platform wonderful, but I I doubt that you woke up and and said, How can I say something negative and then solve the people without any reason like this this is what I despise like people who have mean intention and I doubt you you are one of these one of those guys
0: no I just I was just frustrated watching uh, Paul versus Woodley because it's like what am I watching like that that's kind of what I was talking about. like what am I watching here What, like what's if, if someone wins or loses this fight what does it mean right? and that's kind of what yes. I wanted to get into I I don't know how you how you consume a, a boxing match like that or if you even watched it at all but I'm curious as to how everybody what like if you're going to watch Woodley against Paul, what are you hoping to get out of it, and what does the fight mean I, that that's kind of what I got into
4: like when you are educated about uh, what what's it like to be a fighter and you you follow fighters and you know how they live and and uh you know they've been like kind of breeded to to not breed it but they've been uh f- like built for this for so many years uh you have no emotional attachment to the circus because circus is just fun and it's okay like people want to watch it i was curious i wanted to go to sleep because i was leaving for vegas but uh, i was curious and it's why why the circus was invented in the first place people are like i want to see a bear on the unicycle i'm i'm curious about that so it's okay but why i have no emotional attachment and it doesn't bother me it's because people who knows knows like people who know knows that the baddest man on the planet is in Ganu organ, not uh, uh Tyson Fury in those boxers, like we're talking about fighting let's talk it, let's talk about it all over the scale. I know one thousand percent Jake Paul wouldn't survive with any of u f of the u f c fighters right now. he would do good, but in terms of fighting. He's not the leader of the fight game. He's just a, a guy from the circus. But it's okay. It's okay the way it is.
0: Well, I kind of mentioned that as well. Like, why are we not seeing these YouTubers go into MMA? Like, I think the answer is pretty obvious. If they thought anybody who had uh, any mixed martial arts record, we kind of know what's going to happen. At least with boxing, uh, they, they can put all their eggs in that basket and focus on one discipline and, and have some success.
4: Exactly. That I, I highly agree with you. Like, MMA is a different world. Like taekwondo, jujitsu, like all the, the years and time we put into all of these. You cannot do that in a year. You cannot become a pro boxer in a year, uh, some, a pro MMA fighter in a year. Like you're going to get beat up by all these guys who've been uh, molded into that lifestyle. But boxing now, like girls want to do celebrity boxing, actors, everybody wants to do it. Because you're, 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 you're fighting with your fists and it's a, it's a single discipline. But it's highly different like of course they're never gonna fight mma these guys will never fight mma and when they do and they're gonna take a real fight they're gonna be highly surprised about that kid who's been training since he was 10 years old know about leg locks know about judo trolls know about boxing know about muay thai clinch everything so we have too many weapons for someone to say i'm a ufc or i'm a mma fighter so yeah so once you understand that it's okay to watch circus. It's fun, the circus.
0: We had CM Punk come into the UFC, and I you know, I, I respect him for trying. I think that uh, it's good that he spent all that time in yes. the gym, but I mean, we kind of saw how that played out, too.
4: Yes, uh, but CM Punk, uh, it just showed like the inexperience when he wasn't there. Like I'm sure in the gym he was doing good. I'm sure in the gym he was doing wonderful, but when it comes to real-life situation, like... And let's say, CM Punk people say, yeah, but he's been into fight and wrestling. I'm like, MMA, the guy has an aura, has an energy that he wants to kill you. He wants to hit you until the refs save your life. He wants to choke you until the refs save your life or until you quit. So when you have someone who's rushing at you with that type of intent, you're not the same. It's it's fight or flight. You're in some A lot of people crack in that instance. And it's not like boxing that you can, okay, I'm going to shell up and wait until the guy's tired. No, na na no. No. Cause if you shell up or if you go down, the guy's going to kick you, the guy's going to knee you, the guy's going to try to take your back and choke you. So with the intent to kill, I think the intent to kill makes it even, uh, uh, more different. And what I respect about, uh, Jake is Tyron went in with the intent to kill and he didn't crack that. That when he received that, that, that famous uh, overhand in the fourth I think and uh, he he got back up and he he tried to fight so that's respectable but in MMA like you fall like that into the cage like BJ Penn would run and flying knee you to the face or like it's so different so yeah fighting against someone who has the intention to to end you is very different.
0: Yeah, I guess if you get knocked down in MMA and you're and the cage keeps you standing, I mean, we saw it happen to Ronda Rousey against Nunes. Like, I mean, she yes. just kept standing and we saw what happened there. Just, I mean, Nunes was yes. just relentless and that's what can happen. I mean, there's no referee to kind of stop and count, right? It's, yeah. it, it's either going or it's not.
4: To, yeah, did, didn't she do the same to Cyborg as well? Like a standing? Oh, no, no, no. She dropped her. She dropped her. My bad. But I remember Cyborg with the hands like this and hitting punches and Nunes just keep
0: going. Man, Nunez
4: is the featherweight I'm never fighting, that's for
0: sure. <laughs> well, I can't blame you there. All right, thank you for this, Charles. Uh, appreciate you, as always. Uh, best of luck against Julian Arosa this Saturday, and uh, we look forward to seeing you and a lot of the other Canadians uh, competing in September. Have some success.
4: Yes, thank you very much. Sir. Always a pleasure.
0: I'm pleased to be joined now by Marc-André Berriot, Uh, It's always a pleasure speaking with you, sir, coming off of a big win earlier this year over Abu Azaitar, and you tell me you've now made the move to Florida. How are you enjoying that and uh, enjoying training at Sanford MMA, where I'm sure you're getting no shortage of work?
5: Yeah, I'm doing fantastic right now. So it's a new beginning for me to uh, have joined the Sanford MMA team. Uh, Florida is the place to be right now, uh, especially with everything uh, going on this crazy uh, year, so I'm very uh, fortunate and grateful to be uh, to be here, yeah.
0: So you, you used to have a, a part-time job as a chef. You, you've been able to become a full-time fighter as a result?
5: Yeah, so the, the, the last year or so I dedicate myself, all the focus uh, is uh, to be a, a, an athlete. So yeah, so right now it, all the focus is training and I'm very glad that I made the big
0: move. So who are some of the training partners you've had uh, over at Sanford?
5: Oh man, there's a lot of big names, uh, like uh, Derek Bronson who, who will fight on the main event. I have uh, Brandon Allen, Ian Einish, uh, a guy like uh, Angloff, uh, the, the former uh, middleweight and lightweight champion for uh, from ONE FC, and just to be there, surrounded by all those guys, Robbie Lawler, everybody—it's—it's uh, it's dreams come true uh, for me. So yeah, I'm very, uh, I'm very glad to be here.
0: So tell me the big difference. Like, let's pretend you were driving to your old gym in Quebec, and you're driving to Sanford MMA, and you know that at Sanford you're gonna to have to spar with these guys that are just massive names. What's your mindset like, and what's the difference?
5: Yeah. So before, my mindset was, you know, I was the, the I was the best in the gym. So I think I lost the, the I lost the fire a little bit uh, in the old days. So right now it's a new beginning. It's a game changer uh the, all the florida the weather uh the beach everything is is perfect i love the structure down there uh the, the training are are very very uh useful uh i've worked a lot on my uh my wrestling and my cage work my cardio so when i drive to go to the the Sandford, i'm just telling myself i'm so grateful to be here and just be surrounded by all these amazing athletes and all the coaches and uh, with the, the 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 great Henry Ulf, uh, it's uh, very an honor to be uh, with him.
0: You can't take a day off at that gym, though. I imagine <laughs> if you have a bad day, <laughs> you're probably in trouble.
5: Yeah, yeah. So everybody works uh, a lot. They they are they are all, all hard workers. So uh, they are inspiring me so bad. So I, I just I keep the pace and I, I establish myself to. Uh, to be one of those uh, adult, good guy uh, in the gym, yeah.
0: Your girlfriend's a professional fighter. Did she make the trip with you, and is she training there now as well?
5: No, so actually this, uh, this is my old life. So I have a new girlfriend right now. So uh, I uh, I quit everything that I have. I made a, a lot of changes uh, the last year. So uh, I was I was uh, in Quebec City uh, with with this old girl girlfriend. So right now I uh, we broke up. Uh, I just. I, I go back to my old city in uh, Gatineau, Ottawa, and I surround myself with my own my old teammates, and I, uh, I fall in love with a new girl. She joined me in this uh, this trip, and there we are with my dog, my travel trailer, uh, my, my my girlfriend, and everything that I have. Uh, it's perfect for me right now.
0: So you really hit the reset button, like you. <laughs> it's a brand new Mark Andre yeah. new life.
5: <laughs> yeah, new life, new mindset. Uh, I just told myself that the, the the I asked myself the great question what I want to do next who I want to be next who I want to be with next so the, the the last year was a roller coaster for me so I took this time I asked myself the right question and I I just bounced back and here I am
0: so would you say that this is the most focused that you've ever been in your career because you have less distractions
5: 100%, So I dedicate everything right now. Uh, the main focus, it, it's me. Um, before that, I was, you know, I was worried about what everybody else think about me, my performance, everything. But right now, it's all about my career, me, all the all decisions that I made make is all about me. So, yeah, right now it's 100% me and I can't wait to show everybody uh, what I've made of.
0: Uh, on this very podcast, I'm, I'm joined by uh, Charles Rodin, who, of course, you're familiar with, uh, but also Aaron Jeffrey and Jasmine jassid Davisius They're on the Contender Series. Like, this is just a big month for Canadians uh, in mixed martial arts, from uh, Charles and yourself, them on the Contender Series, and there's another guy on Contender Series. Uh, Charles' younger brother is fighting in uh, Ontario. It seems like this is a, a major month for Canadian mixed martial arts. Do you have that same feeling?
5: Yeah, I think it's a good time for all the Canadians to taking over the the, the the big uh, the big show so yeah I I know everyone, Jeffrey we, we we used to train a little bit uh, together back then and yeah I think they they will all uh, do good uh, soon.
0: And in terms of your UFC career, if you look back at at how it's gone so far, what what is something that you think you could have done better at, and and how would you have done that if you could go back in time?
5: I think at this time I was more like you know. Uh, I had a big hype uh, around me with all my TKO uh, the fights and everything, so I think I I lost the focus on myself. Like I said, I did I did it maybe too much for uh, the the other person, but right now I have uh, I've learned a lot. Um, I've worked a lot on my fighting IQ. So first I was more like uh, you know, instinctive fighter. I have, I'm tough, I have a good instincts, but right now, I, sharp, I sharpen my, my, my fighting IQ, so I think I'm a, right now, I can consider myself a real well-rounded athlete, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to show everybody.
0: You mentioned your TKO days, so when you came to the UFC, did you almost had this feeling like you couldn't lose, you had won two uh, championships in two divisions in the UFC, was that what your mindset was?
5: Maybe at this time I was hyped, uh, you know. I I was on a eight fight winning streak, and yeah. So I just I, you know, I'm I'm the type of guy who I don't I'm I'm not afraid of starting over. So maybe it was a a reset at this time that I have to do. Uh, I uh, I've learned in the hard way. So right now I made the reset and. Like my last fight, uh, it was the real me. So right now I'm just focused on bringing the, the best version of myself and do the show.
0: Your opponent, Dolce Lunjembula, is uh, very athletic, hits hard. Um, what, what have you seen from him from breaking down some of uh, his older fights?
5: Yes, yeah, so, the, so we, we know that the, he's a big guy. He's a muscular guy. Uh, he's coming from 205. Uh, he, I think he will try to uh, maybe finish the fight early uh, in the first round uh he's not, a, he's, not he's not a guy who, who is renowned for his uh cardio so uh, and me i have a good gas tank i uh, more the fight goes more the the cardio is good so i think he will try to uh, end the fight early so i'm planning to be aware patient compose in the first round do my job have a good job and just maybe just wait a little bit and do my, do my things, pick him apart and drawing down in the deep water.
0: Well, that's why they call you the power bar. The power bar doesn't go down, it just, just go, keeps going consistent for the entire three rounds of the fight. And we look forward to seeing you in there once more. Uh, it's yourself, Dolce Jim Bula, this weekend at UFC Fight Night. Always appreciate your time. It's great to catch up with you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's going to be a September to remember for Canadian prospects. We've got Aaron Jeffrey on Contender Series, Jasmine Jacidavicius on Contender Series, Marc Andre Berrio uh, is going to be competing soon, Charles Jordan. The list goes on and on. And I'm happy to be joined now by Aaron Jeffrey, who will be competing uh, at the end of the month on the Contender Series against Caio Boralho. What do you know about Caio? Uh,
6: he's a Brazilian. He's he's 8 and 1 record. Um, he, he's pretty solid, man. It's a, it's a tough fight. Um, he's kind of a, a karate guy. Um, looks a little bit like Machida, the way he strikes. Um, I'd say uh, he doesn't do a lot of, of different things, but what he does, he does it pretty well.
0: Now, you're 4-0 since you were last in the Contender Series two years ago. Do you feel like you were ready back then? I know you had a very tough opponent in Brendan Allen, who's done a great job so far in the UFC. But do you feel like these four fights will make you a better fighter uh, once you do get to the UFC?
6: Yeah. Um, at the time, I, I thought I was ready, but uh, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Uh, um, it, was probably, it was probably a good thing that I wasn't in the UFC at that time Like Looking back, uh, I probably wasn't ready um, I'm way more mature now, four more fights uh, Just a lot more experience in general So I think that was the time
0: One of those fights was a finish over Andre Petroski Who was one of the standouts on The Ultimate Fighter this past uh, season he Just fought this past weekend What did you think of his performance there? And uh, I don't know if you've seen him since then Because uh, you, you've both been in Vegas But uh, di- uh, did you see him? <laughs> I guess this is the question
6: uh, no, I didn't see him in Vegas, but uh, I did see him once since since we fought each other. Um, I was down in Philly for my last fight, right, when I fought uh, Huckbody, uh, and that's where Pachowski trains full-time, and we needed a gym for fight week, so I reached out to him, uh, and he welcomed us into his gym and did some fight week workouts with me. He's, he's a good dude, um, and yes, I, I did watch him on the show, and I watched his fight the other night, and I thought he looked great.
0: Yeah, that was a fun season. But I feel like you would, if you were on that season, you would have won. Do you agree? <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing you would agree. I do. <laughs> I'm guessing you would agree. But I, I, agree. I feel like you are a better prospect than anybody else that was on the series. Would would, would you have wanted to be on tough versus the contender series? Because it seems the contender series is kind of one and done rather than living in a house for all that time with without a phone or anything along those lines.
6: Uh, yeah, I appreciate you uh, saying that about me. Um, I had the opportunity to go on the show, and uh, I was actually like going through the process, and I was going to do it. And then it got postponed for COVID. Um, so then we started looking for other fight opportunities. And I, I took the CFFC title fight thinking uh, uh, if I won that and, and got the belt there, I would probably get signed because a lot of their champs do. Uh, and then I ended up turning down the ultimate fighter for that fight. And, uh, yeah, here we are on Contender Series.
0: And you've been in Las Vegas since May. There's always the opportunity of a, a fall fight... You know, a fight falls out in the middleweight division that you you're right there. Are you able to compete on short notice if the UFC calls you say before the end of the month? <clears throat>
6: um, I don't know how it works with visa stuff. Um, like, I have a specific visa for Contender Series. Like, they're they're technically my employer.
0: Um, probably depends on how much notice
6: and, and if the UFC can uh, get the visa paperwork stuff done in time.
0: That's good to know. I guess because they're licensed as a separate promotion than the UFC.
6: Yeah. Exactly.
0: And how have you enjoyed the experience of being in Vegas? It seems like you've got a pretty sweet uh, Airbnb out there. I, I've commented before we started that it looked mm-hmm. like you're on some sort of villa. Uh, how has the experience been?
6: It's awesome, man. I love it. Uh, I like road trips. Me and, me and my girlfriend drove down here. We took like four or five days and drove. I love doing that kind of stuff. Um, we've kind of hopped around a little bit. We we went to a few different Air, Airbnbs in like different parts of the city. Um, we're kind of settled here now. But uh, yeah, it's awesome. The The weather's great. Um, the training's great. I like it.
0: You know, a lot of people drive into work in the morning, and they, they, you know, they're, they're like, oh, "Am I going to see that guy at work that I don't like?" Or they have these little stresses. What's it like driving to work in the morning, knowing you're going to have to spar with Sean Strickland?
6: <laughs> it's stressful. I always say that all the time too. Um, we spar uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, so I pretty much have like a, a low level anxiety from Tuesday morning until after the sparring on on Thursday.
0: Yeah, I was wondering about that because I'm. Sh- I mean. Sean's a wild man. We know that. I know he's not like actively looking to hurt you, but you just never know with that guy. He's he's, he's got a, a couple no, screws that's loose. Not
6: true. <laughs> no, he is actively looking to hurt me definitely. <laughs> not in like a malicious way. He he just likes to train hard and he likes to kind of like break people in the gym, right? He he wants to see you uh like mentally break before you physically break, I think.
0: Have you broken him before in the gym, would you say?
6: Um, I actually, I mean, you're not supposed to talk about sparring outside of the room, but uh, I banged up his leg pretty good uh, to the point that he needed to duct tape a a knee pad to the side of his thigh, actually. So uh, that's that's my one moral victory over Strickland.
0: Well, since you've talked about your success over him, what has he done to you in the gym if you want to even things out? Uh, I
6: don't know if you can see this little uh, scar that's on my nose. I've had this for like a solid two months now. It doesn't want to heal because he keeps opening it up. Um, but uh, we've definitely had some wars in there over the past couple months.
0: Mentally, even though you say you have this low-level anxiety, but going into a fight, that must really help your mental preparedness. Knowing you have to go through that twice a week.
6: A hundred percent, man. That's that's probably the. I don't I don't know if I want to say it. it's like the most important thing, but it's definitely a huge thing that I've gained. down here. like I have uh, I have solid guys back home, right? Like Elias Theodoro, um, Bobby Poulter, Kyron Cameron, like some some solid up and coming pros there. Um, but when you have the same couple guys, you, there is no anxiety all, at all. I know exactly how the rounds are going to go. Maybe they're tough rounds, but there's, uh, there, there's nothing unknown about it. Um, so like coming here and having different high level guys and like Strickland specifically, uh, to have that anxiety is, uh, is something that I needed to to have in my training again.
0: I feel like he's kind of the dark horse in that division. He hasn't fought Israel before. You have all these guys that seemingly, whenever there's an opportunity, they're not able to seize it. I mean, we saw Whitaker basically beat the the other top guys in that division. Uh, Kananir recently came out on top, so he's in the mix, and now we've got Till and Brunson this coming weekend. But where do you think Sean stands? Do you think that he is a dark horse in the division?
6: Man, I said it. I I trained uh, down here two years ago at Syndicate, and I met Sean then. and It was right when he was coming off his... uh, his big motorcycle accident, his knee was still all like scarred up. Uh, he just had surgery and hadn't fought in a while and whatever. And he was just moving up to 85. And I went back home and I said to the guys at home, I'm like, I, I can see this guy being the champ one day and nobody knew who he was. He had like 7,000 Instagram followers at the time. Now he's got like 80,000 or something. Uh, but yeah, two years ago I said, I can see this guy being the champ and, and I, I stick with that man. I, I think he can be for sure.
0: Uh, a bazooka Joe Valtellini who, you know, uh, told me a story of when he was in Vegas. I think it was with Malcolm Gordon. He saw, uh, basically, Sean was cu- asking everybody he could possibly talk to whether they would spar with him, uh, including a-, a Starbucks barista. They had gone through the drive-through, <laughs> and uh, a- the barista said that a guy had driven through that that wanted him to come to the gym, and they described Sean Strickland, and it was him. So, uh, no is-, way. is that what Sean's all about when he when he's out there? He's just looking for bodies.
6: Um, pretty much, man. Uh, like a lot of guys don't want the hard rounds. Um... I don't think guys like to have that anxiety before sparring they, they don't want they don't want it to be too hard they want to know exactly what they're getting themselves into and Chan's uh he's a wild man so um yeah, I think I'm like one of the only guys that's willing to consistently spar with him after week and I think that's why uh he respects me and he's helping me out too.
0: Your last fight against Colin Huckbody who I should mention did earn a contract on the Contender Series and opted to go back to the regional scene for whatever reason. Uh, you got a win over him, but it was a, a decision, like a unanimous decision, where really the fight was never in, in any sort of danger for you uh, during that fight. Do you need to adjust your style for the Contender Series? I mean, you had two finishes, or three finishes, rather, prior to that. Uh, do you feel like you need to have more urgency on this kind of platform?
6: I don't think so. Uh, eight? Eight out of my ten wins are finishes. Um I don't know how many of them are, are TKOs, is a, a pile of them, and uh the three wins before Huckbody are all uh TKO finishes too, right? So uh
0: no, I, I think I can
6: do do what I usually do and, and hopefully that comes.
0: Now was the reason why that fight you think went to a decision was because it was a four or possibly five round fight and you need to conserve energy.
6: Um I I don't know. Um like, I, I do usually fight in that style of like grinding people out, but typically I, I can feel them when they're like starting to break, and then I open up a bit more uh, and get a finish. Um, I didn't do it in that fight. I, I messed up my knee pretty bad uh, before that fight. I, I can't remember what the time frame was. Maybe like two weeks out, I, I tore my LCL, and I didn't do any live work leading up to the fight, so maybe, maybe that had an impact. Um, I had kind of a stressful fight week. I don't know. I don't want to make excuses, but uh, for whatever reason, it didn't happen
0: jasmine's fighting on the contender series as well uh two weeks before you uh what's uh her camp been like i know she's out at syndicate with you and i feel like her style is definitely conducive to getting a contract in uh, in the ufc she just walks forward and uh she's not afraid to, to really put her opponent into the fire for
6: sure yeah she's a savage uh um yeah she kind of walks forward head head down and, and scraps um it's i think it's very good for her being here too um like, we're, we're kind of in the same boat. Uh, it's hard to find training partners for us both. Um, like, it's hard to find big guys. Uh, and it's it's very hard to find, like, women in MMA. But Syndicate has, like, a, a solid group of of really tough chicks that she's training with. So I think this is great for her.
0: Now, how quickly did you realize that she was the real deal? I mean, like, she started mixed martial arts at a very late age. And uh, I'm sure that at some point you were like, wow, she really is that good.
6: Um... Yeah, good question. Uh, Probably pretty early on, man. Um, Like especially seeing her like in the Brock wrestling room, like the the best wrestling team in Canada. uh, And she's hanging with all those girls. Um, She took like kickboxing fights and boxing fights and and was winning those. Uh, And then like from her early amateur days, she was kind of just beating everyone up. So, uh, yeah, it's it's easy to see that, that she's a solid fighter.
0: Brock University, also great for developing journalists. I don't know if you know that. (laughs)
6: <laughs> I do know that actually. I've heard.
0: <laughs> All right, well, uh, it's coming 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 from the horse's mouth as I am a gra- a proud badger uh graduate. Uh football team still undefeated. So go badgers. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> uh well, thanks for doing this, Aaron. Uh you've had some you have some great merchandise. I saw Sean Strickland when I interviewed him. He had an Aaron Jeffrey shirt on. How do people go about getting this? And uh wh- what yeah. made you come up with these ideas for some uh you know, in merchandise you don't see every day in terms of uh, the the look of it.
6: Yeah, um, if anyone wants to check it out, uh, just just hit me up on Instagram at aajmma. Uh, I should have worked for this interview actually, but uh, no, the the company that did it for me, they're called Peace and Cotton. They're a printing company out of Toronto, um, and and I know the owner of the company, and he just reached out and asked if uh, if we wanted to make some shirts, and they came up with a design, and it was awesome. Um, and honestly, it's uh, it's picked up way more steam than than I thought it was going to. Like we sold tons, so I'm pretty pumped about it.
0: See, you've got the one that says Jeffrey. You need one that says Aaron that I can buy. And my best friend Jeff will get the Jeffrey <laughs> one, and I can stand next to him, and we can promote you.
6: We should do this.
0: <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for that. I, I still am good to buy some shirts from you. I, I know that we've been yeah. in contact about that, but I know you've got a fight coming up, so maybe we'll sort that out after you've got the, the task at hand sorted out.
6: Sure, man. Hit me up whenever.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate you.
6: Of course. Always.
0: I'm now joined by Jasmine Jasmine DeVisius. This is a great month for Canadian MMA in September. Yourself, Aaron Jeffrey, uh, Chad Ansleiger, and uh, we've also got Charles Jordan, Marc-Andre Berrio. The list goes on and on. Uh, it's good to have you with me. Uh, you're competing midway through the month. Uh, tell me a little bit about your opponent in this camp so far.
7: Uh, so so far this camp, I've
0: uh, come
7: down to Vegas. I've done my entire camp here. And uh, my opponent, is her name is Julia Palastri. She's... Brazilian. Uh, I think she's the number one Brazil uh, outside of the UFC. So it, I think it should be a good fight.
0: We have got the number one Canadian outside of the UFC versus the number one Brazilian outside of the UFC. So that's very fitting. And she's got a style that's very similar to yours. She likes to walk forward. Uh, she's an aggressive fighter. Do you feel like that's conducive to you getting a contract on the Contender Series if you get a win? Because this is going to be such a firefight?
7: Yeah, exactly. I I think um, you know, matchups make fights and I think that this is a very good stylistic matchup to uh kind of show show Dana that we're both here to fight. And we're both here to uh try to get that contract and uh I I'm really looking forward to it because uh you know, two people moving forward it's always a good thing.
0: You're at Syndicate MMA right now in preparation. There's a lot of great fighters in your weight class in particular uh, at this camp. You've got Roxanne Modafferi, uh, Emily Whitmire. I think Gion Kim is there as well. So what's uh, that training yeah. been like?
7: It's been amazing. Yeah, Gion, she's here. And
0: uh, I've been training with
7: her like crazy. It's been it, – I feel like she's really elevated my game um, as well as all the other girls, of course. Like I couldn't ask for better partners getting ready for this fight. Uh, In Canada, it's tough right now. Everything's kind of still locked down. And so it's hard to get female partners. Uh, And now I walk into the gym and I've got five different rounds with five different UFC fighters within my weight class. Like, how could I not be prepared, right?
0: Yeah, well, going into a fight, I actually just spoke to uh, Aaron Jeffrey, who you trained with, uh, of course, back in, uh, in, in the Niagara region. And I was talking about how uh, it's hard not to be feel mentally prepared when you get these kind of reps day in and day out going into a fight. Exactly.
7: Yeah, that exactly. You said it exactly correct.
0: Who do you uh, think you've been working with the most, I guess, so far uh, at Syndicate uh, of, of the women that I mentioned?
7: Uh, I would say Jeon Kim and Emily Whitmire. The, we both, uh, we all three have fights kind of within the same time. And um, as well as Roxanne Montefiore, we, we've uh, we all, you know, we're within a little bit of each other, two weeks, one week, whatever it may be. And uh, so our camps just kind of worked out together.
0: Now, you fought at 115. Uh, your opponent has fought primarily at 115 as well. But do you consider yourself a, a big strawweight or a regular sized flyweight? Like if you were to, if you were to describe yourself uh, in one of those two ways, which would it be?
7: i'd probably say regular size flyweight i i think uh yeah maybe i'm a i'm definitely big for straw weight and i'm i'm not against going back down But uh right now 125 is super nice for me
0: how hard is the weight cut for you when you do move down to straw is it like is it extremely taxing
7: yeah i i mean the the actual cut isn't too too bad but um leading up it takes a lot out of my training like I am I don't have the same kind of pep in my step as I do when I'm uh not dieting the entire camp in all, all honesty so it 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 takes away from the from the training but um you know every every time you do it you learn a little bit more and you and you know how to do it better the next time so uh I'm not against going back down, but 125 is nice. <laughs> it's so nice.
0: Well, the fighter you're uh, facing again is like she's five foot two, so you're gonna have a really uh, big, I would imagine, reach advantage and height advantage over her.
7: Yeah, I think that that's gonna be one of the the big things that that kind of separates us is is how much bigger and I I am, and yeah, the reach it, the the reach will be nice.
0: Now, judging is not easy. Uh, I've actually gotten very familiar with the judging criteria. Uh, recently but your fight against Elise Reed was uh, just a highway robbery in my opinion and I I don't know how after that fight you, you must have reacted because I'm sure you thought you won that fight when the scorecards were being read as well
7: yeah I definitely thought I won but I mean whatever I it's one of those things that uh, I'm happy that it did happen because it, it really did like teach me a lot and um my life would have been different. Like, say, if I did win that fight, um, then I probably would have stayed at flyweight. I I don't know if I would have taken a fight at one twenty five. I would have been like, okay, well, here, here I am at one fifteen, um, and right now I I really am liking one twenty five. So, it's a blessing in disguise that I had that loss, but I don't think I lost that fight.
0: I actually think it ended up being very bad for Elise uh, as a result because she did end up taking a, a kind of a short notice fight in the UFC at 125 and uh, against Sajara Eubanks and th- that was just a, an extremely tough loss to watch because it was so lopsided.
7: Yeah, yeah, I watched that fight. Uh, that's a tough fight.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's not an easy first opponent either. I mean, Segera Eubanks, she's a beast. I mean, she was uh, supposed to be on the the Ultimate Fighter. She almost could have been the uh, flyweight champion, I guess, because she would have been in the finale where the title was on the line and she missed weight, unfortunately.
7: Yeah, exactly.
0: So when you look at this division, I know you watch a lot of these UFC bouts. Um, Are you excited about the prospect of staying at flyweight? Because it seems like the champion has beaten so many different top contenders that getting a title shot is not that far away if if you're in the division.
7: Yeah, exactly. It it's not a super super deep weight class. It, like they just opened it up what a couple of years ago. So um yeah, after a couple of fights then then it's uh it's you could be fighting for the title. So hopefully that's the road that I get to be on.
0: Have you ever faced a taller opponent out of curiosity? Because I guess at five seven you're pretty tall for the division.
7: Um I think um not an opponent, no. But like in the room, like I think Gian is bigger than me. I I know she definitely has a longer reach than me, so I've had to like figure out how to move in without um kind of without getting hit. And normally when you're longer, you can kind of like almost bully your way in, but um with her
0: it it was it was different trying to figure out the length. Does that make you almost want to go back to straw weight for you know at, at some point in time because you have such a big advantage over your opponents? I know that a lot of people will sometimes people will cut way too much weight to try to have a, a big advantage in terms of their size, but you've got the height advantage, which I think really works your advantage in that division.
7: Yeah, I, I don't think I'm too undersized for 125, so I don't think it's a, a huge issue. i I'm, I'm pretty tall and long. I, I'm not one of those like short, stocky girls. So I, I think even at 125, I'm, I'm still pretty tall.
0: Are you excited to represent both Canada and Lithuania uh, in the UFC? I guess there, there's only a handful of Lithuanians. I think there's probably three, maybe four already in the UFC.
7: Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, it's, it's so funny because Lithuania is such a teeny tiny country, but um, we, we've got some killers coming out of there. And uh, so it's nice to represent. Lithuania, but as well Canada too, you know bo- both places uh like aren't aren't huge on the map, um so it'd be nice to put them on the map.
0: Well, my dad was born in Covness, and um I went to Brock University like you did, and we're both Canadians so i I feel like I feel like you're a kindred spirit, Jasmine. I'm rooting for you yeah. for those reasons. Oh, thank you so much when was the last time you were back in Lithuania?
7: uh it was like. Seven years ago, probably. So yeah, you, it's been a while. you still have
0: relatives out there, I guess?
7: Oh, yeah, yeah. Both my parents are Lithuanian. And it's like you when you walk into my ho- house back at home, it's like my mom's like trying to give you all the Lithuanian food and everything. I'm like, Mom, I'm trying to diet. Come on.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the hardest thing with with home cooking, trying to avoid that. That can be tough.
7: Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, I want to wish you all the best of luck uh, heading into the Contender Series. I always appreciate your time and uh look forward to speaking with you again. Hopefully, next time we talk, you'll have a UFC contract in hand. Amazing. Thank
7: you so much for having me.
0: A tremendous amount of thank yous to all of our guests. A very lengthy show as a result of all of these interviews. Thank you for sticking around to the end. Always appreciate it. And uh, you know what else I would appreciate? If you can rate and review the show. I know I've asked enough of you already this week by having you tune into all these interviews. It's a lot of time. But if you could take just a little bit more time and subscribe to this show, the TSMMA Show, on wherever podcasts are found. Give us a good rating, review. Always appreciate your patronage. And would also like to uh, ask that you follow me on Instagram. I'm starting to get a little bit more active on that platform, at a or on Instagram. And you can follow me on TikTok at Aaron Bronstetter. I need some followers on that platform as well. I know it's a younger platform, so if you want to pretend to be young like I am, you can go on TikTok, register an account, and follow at Aaron Bronstetter. So thank you for tuning in, and a big thank you to Darren Till, Patty Pimblett, Tom Aspinall, Charles Jordan, Marc-Andre Berio, Aaron Jeffrey, and Jasmine jassi for joining me on this week's TSN MMA show. We'll be back next week with some more fantastic content for you to enjoy.
3: Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC
7: news, visit tsn.ca/ufc.